Welcome to Resting Witch Face, your one-stop haunt for all things spooky, bitchy, and more. I'm one of your hosts, Grant Jacoby. I'm the other one, Bailey Bennett. My face is bleeding, and cool. I'm oh, here. right, right into it. Right into it. Like, like showed up at Bailey's doorstep, like Kleenex to face, <laughs> like blood sippy seep, seep, seeping. Oh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, a little heavy rotation there. We are seeping here through. Um, I mean, it happens to the best of us. I think it's because we're recording on a Thursday. Um, we usually during record the on middle a of the day. No, yeah, well, we always record. Actually, no, we sometimes record in the the witching hour, right? But it's like full on sun beaming through. We do have a candle between us, as Grant described, <laughs> to make to to uh, bring us into the full coven today. Yes, it's our um, stand-in cauldron until we upgrade. Right. No, mine. Yeah, mine's in the mail. I got it. You yeah. know, oh, ordered it from Amazon. So, um, speaking of things that are arriving, I told Bailey I have some some gifts to give to her today. They're I'm not thrilled. gifts that I purchased. Well, I guess I probably purchased them at some point in my life. But I think it was a, a good like month ago. I mentioned that there were just like all these spooky items or just relevant literature that I have back at my parents' house in Boston. And I felt like they deserved a rightful home, which was not just collecting dust. So um, I could give them to you one at a time, or I'll just like hand them over okay. to you. <gasps> wow! You don't have to pretend to be excited. I am absolutely <laughs> not <laughs> pretending. <laughs> this is genuine excitement. Okay. Because okay, well, the first two are I've I didn't even know that this, this such beauty existed. Circa two thousand three, they did. Yes, they are Buffy the Vampire Slayer novels what is this one okay. is a novel one is a novel the just read chaos bleeds yes and read the um just read the the little tagline ethan rain is back in town and he's brought the first oh wow and who's on the cover it's <laughs> <laughs> um well we have we have buffy herself we have ethan rain and we obviously have faith who is like being pierced by a sword basically yeah what i love about it so much about both of these Books is that they both feature like the same photo shoot stock photo of Sarah Michelle Geller yes. circa like two th- like I think it was season six yeah that's the exact same photo and then they have like this like silky red top mm-hmm. I recognize it anywhere mm-hmm. and then you have like this like red photo of Ethan Rain who like really is like one of the least relevant uh, recurring characters absolutely and then just like some like fo- like headshot of Eliza Dushku just like <laughs> thrown in there being like I guess we'll have faith there too. And then this other one, which is the quotable Slayer. Like, I don't understand what this is, but there are eight pages of full color photos. So I think it's just a collection of Jesus. like the best quotes. quotes. Oh my god! Like before, like <laughs> before the internet. I mean, the internet existed, but it was it would just be like who needs it? Oh my god! Wow, Grant, this is amazing. And then and then this little like the little giant book of true ghost stories. True is in quotation marks, <laughs> and that is offensive to me, but. Uh. Wow, 84 scary tales. I'm I'm just going to use like our podcast right here. I, I was going like, to say why do, am I doing research Yeah, ever? full yeah, we can just do an episode of us we read these scary stories. Okay, because I 
swear to God, I some point in my life, I owned copies of Scary Stories to Tell Me. Oh my God. Okay. I was just the pinnacle. I was just going to say, like, if you don't have memories of being in middle school and like sneaking into the library to find those, well, I I had to sneak in and find them because I was not allowed to have them in my house. (gasps) I thought that was the scariest shit I've ever experienced. It is the scariest shit. I have the most vivid memory of one, like one day after I did this, I like read all these scary stories in the library and then I went home and I went to sleep that, that night and I was convinced that something was going to come from, like, I lived in the woods at the time, and I was convinced something was going to come. <laughs> Why did you live in the woods? In Connecticut? <laughs> well, it was like, last of the Mohicans. Um, no, yeah, just in Connecticut. I just was, like, kind of oh. rural. And I was just convinced something was going to come out of the woods and come through my window to get me. So, mm. you know, the, you know when you would, like, create um, a protection wall out of stuffed animals? Or was that just me? Um, I wouldn't create a wall, but I definitely had a large Snoopy stuffed animal that would I would like. Yeah, it was just like you would feel like I just felt safer if I, when I was lying in bed trying to fall asleep, yes. there was just like 30 to 40 stuffed animals mm-hmm. around me because who, who knows why that was going to protect me. But at the time. Sorry, the table's just like shaking. Is that you? No, it's it's my terror. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just like my microphone is vibrating in front of my face. I'm so sorry. I haven't gotten over it. It's okay. Um, thank you so much. You're welcome so much. I no, because I literally was like, oh my god, I'm gonna find that, and like we could do a whole episode where we just read those, and I couldn't yes. find them, but then I found this little pocket. Okay, well, I'm gonna princess. read these and see if there's any really good ones, and we'll yeah. share some next week. Amazing. Yeah, I, I haven't reread any of these. I literally just like saw them as like they need to go to Bailey. They need to be in my arms. Well, Thank you. Where they will be. You are baby. so welcome. Um, I mean, I kind of just shared a, Hey, that scared the shit out of me, but you said that you had one. I do have one. I have a, Hey, that scared the shit out of me. Thank you for doing it. Um, just, <laughs> <laughs> um, are you an actor? No. Cool. Um, for the, if, in case this is your first time listening to this podcast, oh, we have different segments. <laughs> one of them is, Hey, that scared the shit out of me. I won't do it again. Um, where we tell s- spooky things that we encounter in our lives. So I don't know if I've ever brought up on this podcast how maybe when we talked about Dear David, how I really don't like getting missed calls from phone numbers I don't know. I mm-hmm. I think it's a universal I, think, I actually don't think that you've brought that up, but I it, fucking hate it. It's actually, but it's like a deep-seated, like it scares me mm-hmm. because I think that someone is calling to tell me that they're going to come murder me or it's like someone from the other side or like I've done something wrong. Like, like it's almost like, why is this number not saved in my phone? Mm-hmm. It doesn't scare me as much anymore. Cause actually I think now that I've moved, moved away from my normal zip code, like the zip code that my phone is in. Um, if I get a phone call from that zip code, I'm assuming it's either like just like a doctor's office or it's like something, or if it's like something totally random I figure it's just a random, like, kind of collect call. Like, I put my email into some mm-hmm. sort of, like, login. Sure. And, like, how, like, Facebook is stealing all of our information. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, um, I wouldn't expect anything less. Um. Anyways, roundabout. So, I that was kind of a, a fear I was used to having. But I'm not used to getting text messages from numbers I don't know. Mm-mm. Feels a little too intimate. So, this past weekend, I was home in Boston. And I was just like chilling it was like saturday night like 9 30 p.m i'm chilling in my bed drinking a beer and eating indian food wow like living my best life um and i get a text message from someone i don't know 
Mm-hmm. And I like I see the number pop up my screen. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I open it thinking like it's gonna be like someone and it's and it's my area code. So I'm like, okay, it has to be someone that Okay. And so it just says hi. No. What? And I'm thinking so my first thought is, okay, every once in a while, it ha- it hasn't happened in a really long time, but every once in a while I'll get a text from like someone I used to hook up with or like especially if it's like a late night on a Saturday, it's like I'm mm. thinking like, oh, this must a be like an call? like an old booty call text to realize that I'm in a relationship. Okay. So I'm just thinking I'm going to ignore it. But I was also like watching, um, I was watching a scary movie Uh and I was a little freaked. And I was like, okay, this is actually going to kind of freak me out. So I just was like, hi, who is this? I don't have this number in my phone. Oh my God. I wouldn't have responded. I I don't know why I did. (laughs) I just like needed some peace of mind, but it didn't help because the person responds, it's Abby from work. What? And I was like, I don't work. (laughs) And I was like, I know, literally, I was like, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, you must have the wrong number. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know. Like, I know like a handful of Abbeys in my life. Yeah. But, like, no one. I, a, I have all their phone numbers, and B, like, there would be no reason there would be. I don't know any Abby from work. And I literally was yeah. like, I'm a student. I don't work. Yeah. Are you sure? Like, I was, and then I think I even said like, like this is Grant. Mm-hmm. As to be kind of almost like to be like you're wrong. And yeah. She, the person just responds, I know. What? Mm-hmm. That's it? Well, then I blocked the number. Oh, my God. I got so scared because I just was like, because you'd think that you would be like, or I, of course I deleted it. I should have just saved it. Maybe there's a chance I saved it. I think I deleted it. But um, just just say your phone number right now. And then if you're an Abby who's listening, just text Grant and then we'll know. I can't remember if that they said, if I said that it was Grant and then they said I know, I think that's that's how it went down. Yeah, I definitely deleted it because I was so scared. Um, what the fuck? Yeah, so I think I was texted by a ghost. Or Hell yeah. Or someone else with the name Grant has a very similar phone number to mine. And But it, well, you said it was your area code mm-hmm. from home? Mm-hmm. Did you used to work with someone named Abby like a long no. time ago? And you I literally know. I know three Abbeys, four Abbeys that I can think of. And two I went to, three I went to high school with and I haven't spoken to in years. Mm-hmm. And one I also went to high school with and is like, a solid friend that I speak to every once in a while. Yeah. But like I have her phone number. Did you Google this person's number? I didn't. Okay, we're gonna have to do some investigative well, I don't have reporting. Well, if I get a text message again from Abby, well, I blocked oh, the number. Right. Oh, shit. Okay, well. It scared me. I didn't like it. No, I mean, I totally get that. I really hate when those kinds of things happen. I think it was also more the fact that if if, if the person had been like, if this Abby had been like, um, oh shit, sorry, like wrong number. But the, right. they were like, I know it's you. And I'm like, Ugh, I'm what do you want? outside your window. So anyway, well, yeah, that scared the shit out of me. I'm sorry that happened to you. It's really okay. I, I don't even want to bring this up because like, I feel like it could, it could get really extensive, but there is no. like a conspiracy theory happening right now related to someone getting a voicemail from an unknown number. Wait, tell me. Okay. <laughs> um, Am I going to die? no, I don't think you're going to die. No, it's just been like. <laughs> so encouraging. I don't think so. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not really like completely okay, unrelated okay. to your thing. It's just, um, I was watching a video about it last night because you know how I love conspiracy theories. Um, but basically this guy um, on Twitter, the Twitter user shared this voicemail that he apparently got from an unknown number like a few weeks ago. And they're basically, they're reading off like alpha Romeo, like, you know, the, like, like Foxtrot. Yeah. Risky. Like, well, the, f- the codes for 
the yeah. letters. And yeah. apparently it's spelled out like, okay, I pulled it up. And allegedly it spells out danger SOS. It is dire dire for you to evacuate. Be cautious. They are not human SOS danger SOS. Are you fucking kidding no, me? No, it's so creepy. And then, and then apparently it says like a bunch of numbers at the end of it. And someone else on Twitter figured out that those numbers are coordinates on Google Maps. And it points to like this area of Malaysia that's very close to where the oh. plane disappeared in like 2014. So now people are convinced that it's like the contents of the black box recordings from the plane, which like f for what reason would it be that? But now people are convinced that like that plane was abducted by aliens. And like, I mean. Describe I my face right now. <laughs> His mouth has been agape for like 40 to 60 seconds. So, um, Jesus. So at least you didn't get that. And then I was, so I was watching a video about it last night and, um, they like interviewed the guy who mm -hmm. put it on Twitter to be like, did you make this up? And he was like, I absolutely like the voicemail was completely real. And, I don't know what it means. Like, I mean, I don't think it's related to that missing plane, but I did get the voicemail. So holy shit. Yeah. I once a long, long time ago, probably 10 years ago, I received a voicemail. I didn't get a missed call. I just got a voicemail. I was, I was mm. um, in a theater camp that was kind of a dead zone. So, you know, sometimes you just get yeah. a voicemail, but you don't get a missed call. The voicemail was from an, a blocked number. Mm-hmm. And it was just like the sound of static. It was like three minutes long. And it was like the sound of like like phone static. Oh my God. And in like a very distant background, you could hear like a muffled voice of a small, presumably female child <gasps> screaming. What? In, I believe, Spanish or Portuguese or something like oh that. Oh my God. It was bone chilling. I haven't oh thought about shit. that actually in a really long time. Oh my God. Like in <gasps> It was Abby. It oh. was my... <gasps> your, your ghost voicemail lever i know oh my god oh my god okay uh, anyway, sorry this has been <laughs> this is resting with face um <laughs> where we go on tangents real long tangent resting um, tangent face do we want to quick do um, one of our other segments before we move on to the main story of the week sure do you do you have a tv recommendation or tv follow-up oh, yeah, i have another thing to talk about okay fine whatever if there, yeah, there's skip ahead if you want no I, stay with us don't We're... listen to me um <laughs> I yeah I wanted to give an update actually on the TV recommendation that I gave last week, which was um, for a show called The Magicians on Sci-Fi. And last week I was like I feel like I was sounding like a little bit lukewarm about it, but in reality I've become obsessed with the show now. Have you really? I still think it's it's not like great like m amazingly well made, but I just think it's really good. And there things have kind of like taken a turn um, that make it even more applicable to this podcast. Um, and I think it's kind of exciting. So I just wanted to talk about it. So basically I've been watching it more and without giving too much away, the show is kind of exploring the sexuality of some of the characters in really mm -hmm. interesting ways. Um, and I think it's just a show that's been really open about sex and the fluidity of sexuality in a lot of ways that I find really refreshing. And I think a lot of you might too. Um, so there are characters that are kind of experimenting with bisexuality and homosexuality a little bit on the show right now. Um, Gross. But without having to, <laughs> but like without having to make it a thing at all. Yeah. Like quote unquote 
the straight boys are like hooking up with other boys. Oh, it's just, like fine. And no one has to like have an like identity crisis about it afterwards. And it's just like, oh, they like fuck sometimes. And but then also sometimes he is dating girls. OK, you really you've actually piqued my interest because this yeah. has been one of the things that's bothered me. Um, I don't think I'm, I don't think I've done it as a complaint, but like in popular culture when we and obviously I think you know these these coming out stories like in like Love Simon or like whatever yeah, I was gonna say I saw that it's, I saw it yesterday oh did you yeah I haven't seen it yet okay it's very cute and yes yeah. I was gonna say this exact thing okay but yeah. no, no 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 please it's it's your no 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 I was just gonna say like no 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 <laughs> no no shut up um as as important as it is obviously to have narratives like that about yes. character coming out and going through that kind of experience I also think it's really nice to just be able to see two consenting adults like mm-hmm. having some like experimenting together and like yeah. having an, a homosexual relationship without it having to be completely earth shattering to the plot of the show. Yes. Um, and there are totally things that the show does with sexuality that are less than perfect and like maybe a little bit problematic, but I just think that this specific aspect of it, I was like, this is cool. That's amazing. And I, all I want is like a CBS procedural like cop show yeah, where it's like two detectives. One's just like a badass bitch. And the other one is just like a gay dude, but it's like not a thing. Yeah. And like, like he is like, or, or it could be a gay woman. Like doesn't matter, but no, like, I would love that where like the sexuality, like it like isn't an issue. Like they just like, they have their marital problems with their husband. Cause they're never home to take care of their adopted right. children or <laughs> whatever. And it just doesn't need to it just, I feel like there needs to be more. I feel like there needs to be more representation of out and proud characters that aren't either just like a sidekick mm-hmm. or aren't just comedic relief or aren't um, like a stereotype and just sort of like people, not that they need to be like mask and like hot or whatever, mm-hmm. but like it needs just like something where it's the representation of what it's like to be, a gay person living their lives that doesn't always have to revolve around like bigotry. Although, but ugh, I catch myself saying this because there's so many, like a movie like Love Simon is giving permission for so many, and it's just like such a beacon of light for so many LGBTQ mm-hmm. plus XYZ youth mm-hmm. that um, need need the encouragement that they can talk to their families about totally their sexuality and their gender identity. And, um, so it's kind of like a little bit yeah, of both. You need both. I mean, you need you both. Need both just more gayness. Yeah. Just if everything were more gay, cause then it, great. cause then it also wouldn't be like that gay movie. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the fact that this has to be a thing in 2018, that like, this is the first gay male protagonist we've had in a major studio picture ever. Really? Well, or at least in terms of like a romantic comedy that isn't something like yeah. Brokeback Mountain or Call Me By Your Name. Mm-hmm. Well, those aren't major. Those aren't the, oh, those one are of still, the seven major studios. Uh, oh. because, like, because Call Me By Your Name is like Sony Pictures Classics, which is obviously a branch of Sony. But right. this is the first time that gotcha. it's like Fox made this movie. I see. I don't know. I don't know. No, it's fine. It. I mean, <laughs> what I'm talking about. We've, we're, we're you know more you know more about gayness than I do apparently <laughs> never uh, we're just covering so much here today yeah um, I like yeah it. I just wanted to I just wanted to say that um, I like that show and I like that it's doing that me too um, can I give another quick TV plug yes um, only because 
I, I, I texted you about this the other night mm-hmm. and it's a show that I found on Netflix. It's definitely like one of those shows that Netflix just like bought from England mm-hmm. and it's like a Netflix original series, it's like, like in conjunction with really BBC not. one. It's like, okay. <laughs> um, it's called Requiem. Uh-huh. It's a six part. I don't know if it's, um, I've watched the whole thing. I don't know if it's going to be just a mini series or if they're going to expand it into a second season, but it is so good. And like, it's without giving too much away, it's about this uh, woman named Matilda, this young woman, and she's a cellist living in London. And she witnesses a horrible tragedy that causes her to travel to, I think, Wales mm-hmm. and try to figure out how she is related or like why she is somehow and her she and her family are somehow bizarrely connected to this case from the early 90s where a young girl went missing mm-hmm. and how it's connected to kind of this like old haunted house and like um, amazing. It's like part kidnapping mystery part ghost story like it's immediately like you don't know if the shit that's going on is like supernatural or what um i really don't want to give anything away because it's it is what what i liked about it is um it's kind of i think i mentioned this a while ago about how sometimes i like to watch um foreign films because it forces me to read the subtitles and pay attention Mm -hmm. this is one of those shows that because it's like there's it ends up being a lot of intricate kind of mythology and whatnot it forces you to pay attention and you will want to pay attention and i don't scare easily and i watched it in the stand of a couple days but the two nights that i watched it before bed and i live alone i was genuinely terrified to go to sleep that is saying something about you yeah so cool check that out i need to watch it um amazing yeah okay um let's real quick talk about our bad badass witches of the week and then fire away all right so Mine this week, I feel like, is a long time coming because I truly love her and I have for a long time. And I really hope we haven't already talked about her, but it's Chrissy Teigen. Oh, yay. Like we've never we talked ha- about no, her, we right? No. Okay. Well, this this week specifically, when um, when we're recording this just like two days ago, Jesus Christ Superstar Live happened. I haven't seen it yet. I didn't watch it. Okay. But the best part of the entire broadcast was the fact that Chrissy Teigen was like live tweeting it because mm-hmm. obviously John Legend is her husband. Um, and she is one of the funniest people on this planet on social she's media. Incredible. And she like, she starts off the night by <laughs> tweeting this video of a literal shrine to John Legend that she has created being like, <laughs> it's almost time. And there's like a prayer candle with his face on it and all these like flowers and shit so funny and then she just proceeded to tweet the funniest things throughout the night and comment so much on john legend and everyone else's deep v's because yes. he's, he's wearing like the deepest v in his shirt and she's, she's like, the v's they are a deepening it's just like one of her tweets um but the best part was definitely when bill o'reilly um sweetie love of my life bill o'reilly tweeted Watching JC Superstar on NBC, who knew Jesus of Nazareth ran a tattoo parlor? Jeez. Oh, my God. Cool. And she responds, yes, the shop specializes in cover-ups that aren't $32 million. I saw that tweet. <laughs> I love it. I was like, she's uh, she's just like, doing the Lord's work. And she's doing Jesus Christ Superstar's work. Yeah. And <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't want to go on too much of a rant because I do want to get to your spooky story of the week. But she's one of those people that makes me not feel sad when I log on to Twitter because Seriously. she is she is the queen of the clapback. Mm-hmm. She makes fun of she makes fun of her husband all the time. She makes fun of herself. She all makes the time. fun of herself all the time. Um and she's also like not one of those 
I mean, she's a model, and like I think that's kind of how she she's stunning became famous. But she's also not one of those people that's like, oh, I'm just like a quirky girl, and like I love pizza. She's literally will just be she's like, like literally weird. She's just as like, <laughs> I need 500 pizzas because I'm pregnant, and like, like any troll, she always. Um, oh my god, she gets it every time. Yeah, and she's actually also super talented and her cookbook mm-hmm. is great and the recipes are delicious and I love her. And, yeah, she's and amazing. Respects. So love her so much. Um, my baddest bitch of the week is going to go out to Rachel Bloom, oh, who yeah. is the creator and star of CW series, crazy ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I know I did um, Gina Rodriguez, I think two weeks ago. So I need to like round out my favorite CW ladies. Of course. Um, for those of you that don't watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is probably most of you, because it's the show that you should be watching. Um, I'm not watching it. <sighs> I'm sorry. It's okay. Because because like literally no one is. It's so fucking good. And it's it's a, basically, it's a like a musical comedy about this woman who's like, a, she's a lawyer living in New York and she's kind of miserable. And she runs into her like camp ex-boyfriend and he mm-hmm. lives like out in California and it's kind of this like beacon of like, oh my God, maybe I can turn my life around if I, like we're meant to be together. And she like follows him out to California. And yeah. it's kind of like the like premise of the show, but then it turns into just being about like her and like these like crazy cast of characters that she encounters. And it's so well-written and really well-acted. And all of the actors on it are like amazing singers. And like a lot of them have been on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, and the songs are like all like parodies and like they're fucking hilarious. I mean, there's a whole song about having heavy boobs. <laughs> it's just like, it's really, Can relate. yeah. And there's like in the season, there's a whole song that's about like, about generalizing men. And it's like, it's like all men are rapists. <laughs> it's like, except the gay ones. They're all right. That's not actually how it goes, but it, that's like the sentiment. It's yeah. really funny. Um, and it's also a really important portrait of mental health. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. And it's actually acknowledged that the the title "Crazy Ex Girlfriend" is kind of problematic, right? And kind of a sexist term, but it actually the, the her character Rebecca Bunch goes through this amazing arc dealing with her own mental illness, and it's treated with a lot of care and um, reverence, which I think is really important. I think it's something you don't see a lot on television. Usually, it's like if the especially if it's a female character and she's crazy, she gets locked up or she like kills someone and like she's the villain. Whereas this is like the protagonist is got some issues that she mm-hmm. goes through. And I just think that she's an amazing, amazing fresh talent. And it just was renewed for a fourth and final season. Mm-hmm. And I'm just really excited to see what else she does um, beyond that. So yeah. got to love, really, really love Rachel Bloom. I, I really do want to watch that show and every interview that I've, listen to with her and everything that I've seen about her. She really does seem like such a multifaceted talent. And and was it, oh my God, I can't remember. Was it when Sean Spicer came out at the, was it the Golden Globes or mm-hmm. where like they cut, whatever it was, it was something really inappropriate yeah. that was happening on some award show and then cut to the audience. And then it's like random celebrities being like, oh my God, like that's crazy. And you can just see Rachel Bloom in the back, just like not having it, <laughs> just like stoic face, just like, Fuck this. And I respect that. Just like totally. not not trying to pander for the camera. And she's just like, I'm not having it. So <laughs> That's fuck awesome. yes, queen. I love that. Well, now that we're 45 okay. minutes into this episode, <laughs> um, let's get to what we we're ready? really here for. I am ready. You don't, I haven't told you anything about I have this. No, I know nothing about this episode. Okay. I know nothing about life. Well, that's true. I'm not going to lie to you, Grant. We are we are coming home again. <laughs> we're going to talk about an alien abduction. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> okay. It's been uh, a while. I'm sorry. It's just something that I'm sorry. it's really fascinating to me. Feel free to email us. Me- email us if you're like, stop with this bullshit. I don't want to believe, but I don't think anyone Ryan feels that I way. Do. Okay. But um, our email is rwpodcast.gmail.com. R- 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 okay. I'm having trouble speaking. It's the hardest email address to say. R-W-F-podcast yes. at gmail.com. Thank you. You're welcome. Um. Anyway, the last time we talked about an alien abduction was back in episode 15 with the story of Barney and Betty Hill, which was one of the earliest major cases of abduction in the U.S., Um, But I will be the first to admit that the story that I'm going to tell you this week, I actually think is a lot more compelling than that story. Uh, I'm going to hold you to that. Okay. Well, I just think, I (laughs) I I just think Barney and Betty Hill, like they're they're. I mean, it's a classic, but I don't, there's not a lot to corroborate their story besides like them two talking about Mm. it. Um, So I think this case is actually a lot more interesting. Um, And what I'm going to be telling you about is the Manhattan abduction or the case of Linda Napolitano. Have you heard about this? I have not. Okay. So, oh my gosh, I forgot. Okay. Before we start, I have a little amuse-bouche for you (laughs) because- Gross. Never say those those words to me ever again. Um, While I was researching for this case i found this other case that i'm not gonna like talk about fully today okay but it has it includes one of the most compelling pieces of evidence to support the existence of aliens um it is the ilkley moore alien photo okay okay um gonna show which it to me? i'm going to show it to you in just one moment to get your authentic reaction but to give you some background in, in 1987 a retired police officer named philip spencer was walking in this hilly area of west yorkshire england called the ilkley moor and that's when he saw this and the, apparently the authenticity of the photo has been verified also okay. um so i'm going to pull it up for you right now and we'll post it to instagram I'm of assuming, course right? oh, yeah. obviously um no, but the, listeners, you can just imagine based yeah. on. <laughs> so it's basically a photo of a hilly area and there is something walking down the path. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so I'm, here it is. Oh my God. It's being turned towards me right now. So that's the original, very small. Okay. But then if you look to the side, we can show you the <sighs> Okay. That is a little green man. Right? Yeah. But like, how fucking real is that yucky. look? That's yucky. Like, cause here's, cause in the original, it's just like that, this little thing walking towards him and they've like zoomed it in and, and color corrected it to, it's like a hobbling, like weirdly shaped, small creature with a large head. It's Dear David. Uh, honestly? <laughs> well, we already solved the fact that Dear David is an alien. Yeah, that's true. So this is just further evidence. So, sorry, that was just to like cleanse your palate. I like it. Just get us right in the mood to talk about. Cool. Aliens. I mean, I feel like I was more excited by this photo than Grant was, but it's okay. No, it, that's super creepy. <laughs> I guess I because I was just like I was, I was sorry, hyping a really lot of my. I was expecting like a spacecraft or like something. Yeah, no, I mean it's just like a blurry picture of like a dot on the horizon. No, no, but no, that's that is that is scary. Cool. Okay. So back to the case we're talking about today. <laughs> um, I got a lot of this info from. UFO Casebook, and a story by Les Hewitt on historic mysteries. Also, you might have actually seen this because there is an episode of BuzzFeed Unsolved where they talk about, it's called like Three Bizarre Cases of Alien Abduction. And I definitely did not watch okay, that. Okay, cool. Well, the, one of the stories they talk about is hers, but I'm hopefully going to elaborate 
a bit more than they do. But that's um, a good episode if you want to go watch it. Okay, here we go. So early on the morning of November 30th, 1989, around 3 a.m., 41-year-old Linda Napolitano, who originally took the alias um, Linda Cortile to the public, so both of her names are used in some of the research. Um, Why did she need an alias? Just like, because she didn't want to be like hounded by the Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it becomes like a whole thing in her life, so... Um, she was asleep in her Lower East Side Manhattan apartment next to her husband. She woke up to find five gray aliens surrounding her, who apparently somehow compelled her to stay quiet as her husband just continued sleeping next to her, which I find to be a little bit suspect, but okay. Um, she says that the aliens then floated her out of her closed bedroom window of her 12th story apartment. They hovered her... <laughs> into a ufo that was waiting above her apartment three, right. <laughs> three why are you laughing i can just feel your judgment no I, okay uh, three of the aliens floated into the craft with her and some sources say that the other two aliens actually waited in her apartment until her return what are their sources there's i mean there's sorry i can let you tell the story no it's oh. fine there's it's like a need to hear this out of my own voice things that okay in her own words she says I'm standing up on nothing, and they take me out all the way up, way above the building. Ooh, I hope I don't fall. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Hope I don't fall. Yeah. Um, UFO opens up almost like a clam, and then I'm inside. I see benches similar to regular benches. <laughs> okay. And they're bringing me down a hallway. Doors open like sliding doors. Inside are all these lights and buttons and a big, long table. I don't want to get up on that table. They get me on the table anyway. They start saying things to me, and I'm yelling. I can still yell. One of them that says something that sounds like <laughs> Navi Egg. <laughs> what? <laughs> this no- is my favorite detail. Navi Egg? Navi Egg. Navi Egg. Navi Egg. Was this written by, like, a third grader? Like <laughs> She's 41. She, they told me not to yell, but I yelled real good. And there were doors. There were sliding doors. And there were benches. That were benches. <laughs> Knobby egg. Okay. Shush. I th- no, I'm, I, I'm, I'm enjoying this. Okay, I'm just- <laughs> I think they were trying to tell me to be quiet because he put his hand over my mouth. That's the end. Okay. This isn't the story? No. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Tune in next week. Um, she says the beings experimented on her in the craft and put sign of some kind of instrument up her nose. Ooh, leave the nose alone. Honestly. Linda was then returned to her apartment that same night about two hours later, but she at first suffered from um, a lot of memory loss after the incident. She says that she could only recall small pieces of the abduction, although she could vividly remember the actual kidnapping and the room they had brought her to. She spent years after the incident going through regressive hypnosis to try to regain some of those memories. Um, Linda then worked with a well-known UFO researcher named Bud Hopkins. Um, he was someone who had investigated numerous abduction cases before and found that Linda's case did follow the general pattern of reported abductions. Apparently, Linda contacted Bud with an x-ray of her nose that had been taken by Linda's niece, who was a podiatric podiatric surgeon. I'm so sorry. Like a podiatrist? Like of the foot? I don't. She was x-raying and be like, give me your auntie, let me take a look at your nose. It's possible, yeah. The x-ray appeared to show some kind of cylindrical object with spiraling extensions that had been inserted into Linda's right nostril. 
Okay. Okay, so there, there are differing accounts of this, but apparently the night after the x-ray, Linda experienced a major nosebleed from that same nostril. And when she went to have it x-rayed again, the object was no longer there. But the doctor insisted that it appeared that she had had surgery on her nostril, even though she had not. And there was a buildup of cartilage where the object might have previously been. Like it was growing? Like, no, like, like cartilage had grown around the object yeah. while it was in her. How long? Oh. And then it was removed. Ew. So she thinks that she was actually abducted again that and the aliens gross. removed it the second time. Which gross. is like crazy, but if that x-ray exists and that doctor's testimony exists, that, that is like insane to me. Yeah. Okay. Of course. Many people doubted Linda's story and doubted Bud's involvement in it. However, the case becomes much more compelling with the addition of all of these witnesses. Okay. So more than a year after the incident, Bud received a letter from two witnesses who would Sorry, be known. Which one's Bud? Is that the doctor? Bud is the UFO researcher. Okay, right, 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 right. So he's doing a lot of like investigation into this yes. case. So he received a letter from two witnesses who would be known as Richard and Dan. They claimed to have actually seen the abduction that night in Manhattan. Bud was, of course, skeptical of their accounts, but he did a background background check on them and learned that they were actually two bodyguards who were supposedly on security detail for a senior diplomat that night. Mm. Their stories matched up exactly with Linda's account, and they were supposedly in a car crossing the Brooklyn Bridge when they saw all of this happen. In Richard's own words, he says... There was an oval-shaped object hovering over the top of the apartment building two or three blocks up from where we sat. We didn't know where it came from. It happened too fast. Its lights turned from a bright reddish-orange to a whitish-blue coming out of the bottom. Green lights rotated around the edge of the saucer. A little girl or a woman wearing a white nightgown sailed out of the window in a fetal position and then stood in midair in this beam of light. I could see three of the ugliest creatures I have ever seen. I don't know what they were. They weren't human." Their heads were out of proportion, very large with no hair. Those buggers were escorting her into the craft. My partner screamed, we have to go get them. We tried to get out of the car, but couldn't. After the woman was escorted in, the oval turned reddish orange again and whisked off. So many- Those buggers. Those buggers. Um, many believe that the diplomat who was with them at the time was actually senior United States, United Nations statesman, Javier Perez de Quillar. Am I supposed who, to know who that is? No. Okay. Who also saw the whole thing and was visibly shaken by the experience, according to the bodyguards. Quillar has never gone public with his claims, which could have feasibly been a major breakthrough in the case and in UFOlogy in general, if such a high-powered diplomat had actually been willing to oh. testify. Um, but he did supposedly correspond with Bud Hopkins multiple times and confirm parts of the story. Um, the, apparently, the experience actually had a huge impact on the two bodyguards who claimed to have witnessed it. They became obsessed and psychotic, and Dan actually became convinced that Linda had some kind of special or supernatural powers, and he began stalking her. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, he eventually kidnapped her with Richard on April 21st, 1999, where they bundled her up in their car and took her somewhere to interrogate her for hours, all the while with Linda denying that she had any powers or being able to recall any more details about the abduction. Holy shit. Yeah. Then six months later, Dan abducted her again and brought her to a house <laughs> in Long Island and forced her to put on a nightgown like the one she had been wearing on the night of the abduction and Richard eventually convinced Dan to release her and a month later told Linda that Dan had been committed to an asylum 
This poor woman. I know. How were they not arrested after the first kidnapping? I know. Okay, well, so I have to admit that some people are very skeptical about the credibility of these two witnesses and the things that Linda told people about them um, because Bud never actually met these two men. He only corresponded mm-hmm. with them through the mail. However, he did supposedly do a background check on them. So like they they had to have existed and Richard's existence was corroborated by other people who are connected to the case who did meet him in person. So it's just like, it's hard to say because some people think that she was making it up or she like hired these men or Mm -hmm. whatever, um, whatever you want to believe. Furthermore though, Richard and Dan weren't actually the only witnesses to the case. All in all, there are 23 witnesses to the case on public record, according to the Linda Cortile Cortile case's website, which literally has every piece of information ever on this case. Um, Another woman named Janet Trimble also contacted Hopkins to say that she had been on the Brooklyn Bridge that night and had witnessed the abduction as well, but at the time had thought they were filming a scene for an upcoming sci-fi film. Like, are you kidding me, Janet? <laughs> like, what did you think was happening? That's actually not, but that's like kind of like a not unreasonable I mean, thing. but like, how are they filming a woman being abducted into an aircraft just hovering in the sky of Manhattan. I think maybe your brain rationalizes it because you I mean, you can't even comprehend what you are right. missing. I mean, like, I think as it's happening, that's what you would think, but... Later with, like, like a rational... Yeah, later like, you'd be like, uh, you're actually, rational. fuck, what the fuck was that? Um, a truck driver for the New York Post is also have said is also said to have witnessed it from the bridge at the time. Obviously, there are many reasons to doubt this case, and there are always going to be those who don't want to believe... Um, Some people question Richard and Dan's existence because they don't believe their accounts of working with a UN diplomat are credible, um, saying that there would have been more cars in play had they actually been transporting someone that important Hmm. in New York. However, there are also some claims that there was a small traffic jam on the bridge at that time, possibly resulting from a number of limos that could have been traveling with the diplomat. So it's also hard to say. Either way, all the facts and the evidence aren't completely concrete to me as far as I can find, but the case I think is still extremely compelling and interesting. Um, I just think the fact that there are so many witnesses who have claimed to have seen it, which is yeah. not usually the case in UFO abductions like this, um, and just like the very strange medical phenomenon um, surrounding Linda's x-rays and nose surgeries and things like that are just really hard to ignore. So it's obviously still a case that fascinates a lot of people out there and there's a ton more information available on the internet if you're interested. I mean, I know that I am, but it's basically the case of the Manhattan abduction. I, yeah, I, I want to know so much more. Like why was, why were on, the only witnesses from the Brooklyn bridge? That's my well, first that's, question. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, the Brooklyn bridge is probably extremely busy. It's yeah. like, if What's, some, this, was, this was at like three in the morning, right? Three. Yeah. Three yeah. in the morning. But like, there's always people out in New York, like in the middle of the night. And if it's like that, like 23 is a lot of witnesses, but it's also like not that many when you consider that it's New York city and she was like flying over the East river. (laughs) (laughs) And also if she was abducted out of her window in the Lower East side, I mean, depending on which way the window is facing, she still would be seen by a number of different apartments. Yeah. So in theory you would think that there would be like, especially if it was like street side facing, Mm -hmm. like as I'm picturing it, there would Mm -hmm. be like, dozens of people that if, yeah. I guess it depends if they were awake or not. There's also a theory 
which kind of goes along with the fact that her husband was sleeping next to her. And I think she also had a son that was sleeping in the apartment. Um, there's a theory that when an alien abduction happens, they're able to turn off people around the victim until they're finished, basically. Oh. So I did read, I didn't include this because I can't like confirm it with multiple sources, but I did read that <laughs> she, when she when she, she woke up like two hours later after the incident mm -hmm. next to her husband again, but it seemed like her, her husband and child were dead at first because they were completely unconscious. She wasn't even sure if they were oh, breathing. Geez. So it seemed like they had been turned off in order for them to take her and then put her back. I also have to say there's something really creepy about, well, there's a lot of things that are creepy about alien abductions, but the fact that in both this case and the case of uh, Barney and Betty, mm -hmm. they remember some of it, but not all of it. And there's right. something weird about like th this concept of like aliens letting you remember just enough that you know that you were abducted and yes. you know something nefarious was happening, but not enough that you can actually come back and be like, this is what they did to me. Yes, the, the lost time really gets me and that's like a huge thing on the x-files which is clearly one of my favorite shows and it's a huge thing in a lot of other abduction cases is that people just they've lost hours or they've lost days their watch is broken like mm -hmm. it demagnetizes compasses and things like that it's just like you you like what happened like what you, you just know that something happened to you like something happened to your body but you don't know what it is i i think that's just so terrifying Completely. Yeah. I mean, especially if it's not from alcohol. <laughs> exactly. Um, again, this kind of shit just really fascinates me. And I understand that it sounds fucking crazy, but I also think there's, I know that we're not alone. I just, I don't know that we can prove that we've been visited, but yeah. there's gotta be shit out there. The thing is, is that there's so much about, the world <laughs> that we and about space that we don't understand. And yeah. there are people, there are obviously a lot of different facets of higher up governmental officials that are doing investigations in terms of interpersonal politics and intercontinental politics mm -hmm. that like, well, even like that that we'll never know about and like sure. the shady business goes on. So naturally it makes sense that right. there have to be people that are studying UFOs and these, um, and it makes sense that these stories are kept hidden to assuage public fear. Totally. Um, I will Absolutely. say like there would be mass panic. It, yeah. And I will say, it's not that I, I don't believe in aliens. Cause I do. I, I, I just, um, yeah, I, I do. Yeah. It's okay. It's fine. I'm not going to be mad. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, no, I, th I just think there's something that's even more, I think because there's, there's nothing like with ghosts. Mm -hmm. It's like connected to, in theory, like a human death. Yeah. Unless it's like a poltergeist or like a demon. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know why it's. No, I, I think. I compartmentalize those th different things. But I believe in all of it. I think it's all fucking real. Ex eh, I don't believe in Bigfoot. As we've said. Yeah. I call bullshit on that. I believe in the Loch Ness Monster. I do not believe in Same. Bigfoot. Same. Yeah. I mean, I just think like it's probably a big monkey. I don't know. I, um, well, or it's probably nothing. The other thing is that I think that what kind of sucks about this, it's kind of like, this is a really poor analogy. And if this doesn't pan out, please cut this. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like how in the, in the whole, please go on <laughs> me too. Time's up movement. Yes. And <laughs> that 
I believe the I believe all the stories of the women that are coming forward mm-hmm. about sexual assault, and all it would take would be like if one person came forward and yes. lied, that would tarnish everything that came beforehand or potentially afterwards because people would say like, oh, that person lied, so everyone else must be lying. Sure, for some people that would be the yes. Case. Oh well, of course. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if like it's kind of a similar phenomenon in terms of like paranormal occurrences where like maybe if way back when, like when these things happened, like people believed because actually in, in mm-hmm. olden times, people believed in um, ghosts and demons and aliens a lot more, it seems like, but, but all it takes is for people to lie about it. Yeah. Make shit so up. And it just destroys credibility. It. Completely. No, I totally, that wasn't a really good analogy, I mean, it, but like it wasn't perfect, but I think you made it work. And I see where you're coming from. And yeah, a lot of people have made up crazy shit about this for attention or whatever people want to think. Um, but maybe there, you know, in all of the, all the bullshit, there's just a few grains of sparkly diamond alien encounters that really happened. Well, I, I, and I think there's probably more than we'll ever know because Mm -hmm. I'm sure, because actually, no, you've asked me, you said if, if, um, if I were abducted by an alien, would I come forward with it? And I said, no, because I didn't think people would believe me. Sound crazy. Yeah. And I would rather just live with that. Be a good story. Although I bet, I bet that, I bet that's the kind of thing you never really recover from. Oh, versus seeing a ghost. Totally. We'll let you know when we get abducted by aliens or see ghosts. Yeah, we're we're waiting just whenever you're ready, guys. We're too desperate. <laughs> um, um, do you want to have a bitch session? Yeah, let's wrap it all up. Um, I can go because you've just been chatting. Cool. Uh, I haven't done a driving complaint in a while. Oh, thank God. So I feel like it's time. And I fully acknowledge having gone back to Boston recently, where I'm from, which I've said like 18 times in this episode, um, I realize how much of an offensive driver I've become. Not offensive, but like offensive, offensive, like the opposite of defensive. defensive. Exactly. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So like my parents taught me always to be a defensive driver and living in New York and driving in New York, it's taught me to, to just always be on the offense and always like not, and basically becoming the most impatient driver in the world. Yeah. I've all started doing these things where I don't, I don't flip people off because I don't want someone to like get murder road rage you. and murder me. Yeah. But what I like to do is if someone like cuts me off or like if I think someone's too wrong, I drive on them and just like give them a dirty look. And like <laughs> it, it somehow like quells that like frustration in me that makes me want to just be like, beep, beep, like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. I totally get that. But knowing like, how much, knowing your resting bitch face. You I know. I just flash that resting witch face yeah, at them. Yeah. Just curse them. Um, however, I just want to give a quick complaint about a very specific New York intersection that is really applicable to no one, <laughs> but it fucking fucking frustrates me because it's on my daily commute to school. It is at the corner of um, 133rd and 12th Avenue. Ugh. I can just feel it. <laughs> I was asking, do you know? <laughs> um, have you ever been to uh, Bierstrasse, that bar? Like, Actually, that's like yeah. a ride on the. Okay, so it's that intersection. Mm-hmm. Um, and. It's uh, it's basically t- merging onto the Henry Hudson Parkway. I don't know if it's Parkway, but the Henry Hudson Highway. That's based the West Side Highway. Mm-hmm. And what it is, it's this it's this like one block stretch that at the end is a stop sign as you're about to to go on the ramp to get on the Henry Hudson. But the thing is that it's a one way ramp, so the stop sign is only there in case there are pedestrians crossing. Okay. But there are okay, so it's literally like a bar and then the strip of street and then a fairway um yeah, grocery like store. pedestrians no i've no i've never seen anyone cross this crosswalk so my frustration comes from the fact that it's this tiny one block stretch and then there's obviously a stoplight getting into it and 
people roll into this block and just like pause at the stop sign and just like, like, I don't know if they're looking both ways. It's a one way street or like, I don't know if I'm describing this very well, but basically what happens is it becomes a congestion of mm. people going through the stop sign because it's only a block long yeah. or otherwise you're in the intersection. Right. It just causes a lot of backup traffic and it pisses me off so much because like, I understand that you should come to a full stop whenever you come to a stop sign, but there are certain ones where mm. it's like you, you can quickly gauge we that there's nothing it. coming. And you keep going. Yeah. These people like, and just stop. And like the number of times I've missed that light and then I have to like wait another like two minutes. It's probably like no, 30 but, like, seconds. Honestly, I, whenever anyone is moving without urgency in New York City, I'm just like, what are Like you're in the wrong place. Yeah. Like everyone here has somewhere to be. So just like get out of my way. I'll take a picture of it and I'll post it so you can truly understand because okay. I think this actually is one of my worst complaints because it's very specific and I'm not doing a really good job of it. No, it's fine, but it's affecting your life on a daily it's affecting basis. My, it's affecting my life. Basically, it's people... Let me distill it. It's people who wait too long at stop signs and then mm-hmm. cause me to miss my light I, because yeah. they're taking their sweet fucking time yeah. and they could just take a right, which is the only direction that they can go. Okay, cool. Because there's no pedestrians coming. I rest my case. Totally fair. <laughs> uh... My complaint, um, for those of you who don't know, which is probably all of you, I'm I'm going through like a bit of a career change right now, um, totally of my own volition, and I think w- will be great, but it means that I have to deal with networking again. Mm. And I can't describe to you how much I hate everything about and the concept of networking. And I think like things like LinkedIn are amazing tools and I use them a lot, but just having to write those messages to like the, your most random connections, just being like, yeah, like we went to, we went to the same college, like 35 years apart. And like, we have no reason to ever speak to each other, but like, I'd really just love to know, like, how did you get started in the industry? And just like, have you found your experience at this company and just bullshit, bullshit, bullshit that is so fake. And I, it's just, and it's so annoying. And sometimes it works very, very infrequently it works, but like Mm -hmm. most of the rest of the time, you're just like trying to make these super fake connections with people and like i mean god forbid i don't like go to networking events but i know that's a thing that people do and that's a thing that some people have to do in the industries that they're in and just like trying to make small talk with people just like trying to it's very clear you're trying to get something out of this person but you're trying to talk around it so that they don't know that you're trying like they know that you're trying to get something out of them but you're trying to be nice about it and it's just so stupid I hate that. It's like, yeah, it's like, um, like my aunts, cousins, mm-hmm. uh, wives, brothers, best friend once um, farted behind you in the line at Whole Foods. And I just really love to like hear about <laughs> how you um, invented the rice cooker. Literally. No, it's it's like that is accurate because and and it's like you have to do it now. Like you can't. Oh, you I, I'm. In a in a very different way, like I, yeah. I'm doing. I'm, I'm unfortunately having to do the same thing, f- trying to find a career post grad school. But at least like I'm in an environment where like I have faculty members that I can like right. branch off of. But like I, I feel you. That's the worst. Right. It's just, it's just we've come to a point where it's nearly impossible to get a job at a ton of companies unless you have a connection. Mm-hmm. And like it shouldn't really be that way. But I understand why it's that way because it's so hard to come off. Yeah. Well, on paper or on the internet, but 
and like I know I, I totally get that and especially when like you're sending off your resumes and like your cover letters and you're like bye, and you're like, bye. like literally <laughs> see, see you never. never and the people you hear back from is because or like you get like a call from someone it's like oh like this random person that you know like recommended you for this position you're like huh I mean that's great when and that it happens becomes like a fruitful thing yeah it's happened to me like literally twice yeah but, like for like some random gig and I'm always like shocked I'm like oh like it's yeah it really is really, 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 really rare. Yeah. I found it, it happened a lot more when we were younger and we were just looking for like internships and stuff. Like a lot of people yeah. are totally willing to put their, to like go out on a limb for you to get an internship, but they're not willing to do that when you're like looking for a full-time thing <laughs> yeah. a lot of the time. And the people who are, are amazing. Like I, I'm so grateful for the people who are willing to help. And like, I've got like con students have messaged me on LinkedIn before and I always try to help them as much as I can, but like there's not, how much you can do a lot of the time so no but it's sometimes nice to feel like you can get your foot in the door even if it just means like your resume moves up like a little bit to the right um especially when oh my god when you're applying for these jobs you're like i'm so overqualified for this and you're still not gonna even like Mm -hmm. give me a phone interview totally it's awesome but thankfully we have this podcast we do that's all i really need like honestly basically really um but and we want to keep it going obviously i mean we're not going anywhere so but you should still rate review and subscribe and it seems like some of you guys are really are telling your friends about it i know even like posting about it on social media for us and it's so lovely of you and it's working people really do listen when you ask them to so thank you yeah we we really cannot it's we're not trying to like pat ourselves on the back but we really can't thank you guys enough for all that you do spreading the word. Um, and it's like so simple when like, just like people's Instagram stories or comments or just like recommending. It's just like, it's really, really cool. And it just makes what we do that much more validated and worthwhile. Um, yeah. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at RWF podcast, and you can reach us on Gmail, send us your alien abduction stories. Oh my God. And if one your of, voicemail if we had a listener stories. who had been abducted by an alien, I would die. Uh, yeah. I would, I would peak. Okay, great. Um, Anyway, did I say the email? RWF podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Bye, Bye, bitches. bitches.